Welcome back, everybody. The Pete and Steve Show, your local take on local news. This is episode 152, and we are glad you're here. Yes, we are, Peter. My, my beautiful co-host with me today, Steve Fredlin. Gorgeous. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be talking about the news today. We've got a couple stories uh, that are kind of interesting. And uh, so we're just going to kind of see where this goes. We want to cover the news and we want to kind of incorporate, um, you know, what, what we're thinking about. So uh, we hope you like it. Yeah. I mean, we got the local news out of the local paper, the Asani Chisago County Star. And then we got the local news out of you and my life, right? Yeah. This is like extreme local. Extreme local. That's right. It's up close and personal. Local. <laughs> yeah. Maybe loco. I don't know which it is. Right, right. <laughs> well, the first story is uh, we've got a couple of gals going to the state um, rodeo. Oh, it's it's nationals, dude. Oh, national, yeah, yeah. Nationals. This is this is beyond state. This is na- this is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and it's out in Wyoming. So the the two. Well, why don't you want to go ahead? Well, sure. I mean, you, I, if you're on video, you can probably see that. Pete, can you see that? I'm sharing the screen. Yes, I can. Okay, yeah. so yeah, Emma Pankin and Tori Skiba. And I actually have a connection with Tori. The Skibas live out near us, and actually her mom is part of a, a business networking group that I'm a part of. So I have a little bit of a connection, but <clears throat> but this is super cool. You know, I'm, I'm a guy that I love people who have passion. And there's all these niche things. I mean, I'm a poker guy, and you talk about all these niche things, like who plays poker, you know, whatever. But uh, the, these gals are big into rodeo. And uh, yeah, and they, they made it to nationals. Uh, so July 14th to 20th, uh, which is coming up here real quick, uh, they're going to be out, like you said, in Wyoming uh, doing goat tying. Mm-hmm. So they're going to tie goats. And I didn't know anything about this. I mean, I've seen it like at the state fair, but I didn't understand the rules or much about it, you know, because they kind of come bolting out of the gate on their yeah. horse and there's a goat in the middle of the ring Yep, and they have to get off their horse and and tie a rope around the legs of the goat yeah it's super impressive i've so i've watched it before i've seen it in years past going up and it's super impressive i mean it's you know i mean part of me sort of feels bad for the goat which i do um i I do i I think it's it's kind of rough but uh the the athleticism that it takes to do that to you know to balance yourself on the horse to steer the horse direct the horse guide the horse jump off the horse at the right time grab the goat in the right way, flip the goat over, tie, tie the stuff. I mean, it's a pretty impressive deal. Yeah. Well, and the biggest thing to me would be the relationship between the rider and the horse. Yeah. There's, there's some chemistry and that I, that they talk about in the article a little bit. Yeah. That is really important for, for it, things to go well. And so it's not, you know, a lot of times they just make it look so easy, but it's not easy. There's a lot of, you know, things going into that. <laughs> right. Oh, for sure. And like the, the last year, the record was 6.65 seconds. Like that's really fast. And if you watch it, you'd be like, what, how is that even possible? Like, you know, it seems like I can even get the horse to take a step in 6.65 seconds, but, <laughs> but no, it's, it's super cool for these guys and it, it's super competitive. You know, they, they said, I forget how what the number was like 1300 people going out there. Um, yeah, 1,650 contestants from 43 states, five Canadian provinces, Mexico and Australia. It's the world's largest rodeo. And it's cool because they can win cash, but they can also win scholarships. And one of the stories that I really thought was, was really kind of cool in here uh, was the young Skiba. 
who actually qualified for nationals when she was a freshman or at least in her first year. Uh, but there was, um, there was somebody who was like a senior that year uh, who didn't qualify. But if, if the Skiba gal didn't go, the senior could go. And so she yeah. turned down the spot to go to nationals. And, and to me, that just, I mean, it's, it screams of her, um, I guess her, I'm not going to say integrity because it's not integrity. It's something just sort of graciousness, but just maybe the unification, the unifiedness of the sport saying we're kind of in this thing together and big picture. I really want you to have a chance to experience nationals. I should have other opportunities. I just think it was a kind of a cool thing that she did. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that's really cool. And something that you mentioned earlier about the passion you're right. It's just so interesting how you see people in these little pockets of in areas of interest. And there's just, no matter what area of interest it is, there's people who are just really passionate about it and just amazingly good at right. knowledgeable about, about the topic. And actually you, which kind of brings me to a, a segue, you just got back from Las Vegas. Yeah. Where you were playing poker. Now when people, when, when, People hear that you play poker, they might say, oh, he plays with, you know, those red, white, and blue chips on Friday night. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, but this is a whole new level of poker. This is like pretty serious poker you play, right? Uh, it is. It's, it's its highest levels. Well, not the highest levels, but it's, it's pretty crazy. And to think it was, you know, like eight years ago where I was playing the red, white, and blue chips at home, I started playing because like, me and two of my buddies, Daisy and Mark, said, hey, what can we do to connect with all of our teenage kids? And we started playing poker for 25 cents for the whole night. And now, <laughs> so like it was like 25 cents or whatever just to buy in for the whole night. Us and all of our teenage kids, you know, and I just fell in love with the game. And here, I can't, I couldn't have even imagined, but eight to 10 years later, I just played the World Series of Poker main event, which is a $10,000 buy-in. Like you have to pay $10,000 to play poker. It's crazy. And I had investors and all that sort of stuff. But the reality is, you know, I don't pay $10,000 for a car. I don't know that I ever have. And I'm walking up to the cashier and I have a $10,000 in cash and I'm giving them this envelope of money saying, I would like to play this poker tournament. It's crazy. But, but yeah, it's, the, it's a niche sort of thing. Like a lot of people play poker, but then this is like, extreme 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 but super awesome well and uh a, a few years ago you have every once in a while you host little tournaments kind of just you know for fun tournaments at your house yeah and a few years ago i said oh yeah i'd like to come up show up for that and it was a ten dollar buy-in or something and i'm like oh yeah this will be sort of fun well i lost my ten dollars <laughs> in like five minutes <laughs> so, and i i realized pretty quickly that this is I'm out of my depth here. This is a whole new level of poker. I mean, I sort of know like the full house. I sort of know the hands, you right? Know, right. What, what I'd have questions about some of the hands, but yeah, I just immediately lost that. I think I rebought and then immediately lost that. And I was done. <laughs> and some, of that, <laughs> some of that's just luck too. But yeah, no, I think uh, especially, you know, early on then when I started doing those home games, you know, it was such a diversity of people that, you know, it, at different levels of the game, people like yourself that rarely played, uh, some people had never played, you know, they actually had kind of that thing in front of them and tell them what beat what and stuff. And then some people that have been playing for many, many years. So it's kind of interesting to have that big diversity of people, you know, now it's more and more, you know, move toward people that are pretty experienced that I, that I play with, even though I do have, uh, I play with my college buddies actually on Saturday, we're getting together, we get together, you know, three, four times a year. We play for 10 cent, 20 cent blinds and it's just a fun game. 
you know, clearly there's different experience levels, but it's just much more fun. But, but yeah, no, it's, it's very interesting to see how I've, how it's moved from that $10 home game uh, to where we're at now. And I mean, I, I host a poker podcast. I've talked to the best players in the world. Uh, I played with one of the world champions at this table. You know, it's, it's just kind of a surreal, surreal ride. And that's kind of how I do things. You know, when I get into things, it's like either I lose interest or it's like, let's go whole, whole hog. And uh, I've just fallen in love with poker. So yeah, another niche thing. It's like kind of like goat tying. You know, mm-hmm. people that do it are like, oh my gosh, it's the best thing ever. Like yeah. to, to, to have the adrenaline rush of that clock ticking down and the, the horse jumping out of the cage and, 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 you know, knowing I just timed my, my leap perfectly to the goat and I just, I just nailed it and I got the rope out. And, you know, I mean, you're, if you're not doing it, you're kind of like, what? But if you're in it, I can totally imagine that feeling, that rush of, whatever. And, and the disappointment of the goat getting away or, or slipping up on the horse. And, you know, that's yeah. kind of, that's that competitive nature of, you just don't know this clock is going to beat down and you don't know if you're going to have the ride of your life or if you're going to absolutely suck. And that's how I yeah. feel like going into a poker tournament. Like, I don't know, like, am I going to be one of the final nine people trying to win the $10 million prize? Or am I going to be the first guy out? Like, I have no idea. And there's, there's sort of an adrenaline rush that comes with that. Yeah, it's so true. There's just factors that uh, that you don't have control over. And it reminds me of there was a guy from my church who competed on the American Ninja Warrior TV show. Oh, yeah. He got invited to, to and he didn't actually appear on TV, but um, uh, but but I was watching the show because I wanted to see if, if he was going to be on there. Well, there was this other guy who had won seven years in a row. And mm. this guy was just an athlete, just perfect, you know, body uh, size and shape for this type of competition, kind of lean. And and his forearms were mm. just huge. <laughs> I mean, they were about as big as his bicep because so much of it is upper body strength. Well, anyway, they were hyping this guy up. And he came through, made it for, through, through the first obstacle, and then flubbed it on a balancing one. Oh. And he, so he was just out then. Wow. Yeah. He was like favorite to win the whole thing. And it was just, you know, kind of dumb luck. One bad day. It reminds me of like what Stacy Nelson, the pole vaulting coach who we had on a couple of weeks ago, was talking about. There's a gal who she was like vaulting two feet above everybody else all year in the state. And she has one bad day, doesn't make height, and all of a sudden she's out. Like you just don't know what's going to happen. That's the the beauty and the pain of of competitive sports or competitive anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that guy's devastated. I'm sure he has regret, and I'm sure he's a, his whole, rest of his life he's going to be wondering, what if? What if I had been able to balance? What if my massive forearms hadn't <laughs> gotten me off kilter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, so how how did you do in the tournament? Are you comfortable talking about it? Yeah, no, I, I can. You know, I can talk for hours on it. So if you're interested in talking more about it, get a hold of me because I, I love talking poker and strategy and all those things. Um, you know, I ended up going out there two times. So I went out there once for, uh, so two years ago, I went out there for the first time ever. Never been to Vegas, went out there, loved it, played, played for like a week or so. Uh, so I did that again this week to have like seven guys go out there for nine days, stayed in the condo. It was just so much fun. Uh, really great results. Um, I played a total of 21 tournaments and I cashed in eight of them, which is really a high percentage because they yeah. normally it's like 15% that people cash in. So it did great. Um, played one tournament that was a thousand dollar buy-in and it was like 3,500 people to start the thing. And I made it all the way to 76th. 
So I got like a $5,000 payday, but like the winner got like 420,000. So I was like, I was just on the cusp like, here we go, you know. So I had a few of those, but a great results. And then uh, I came back and a bunch of people started coming out of the woodwork and said, hey, if you want to play the main event, the $10,000, I'll back you in that thing. I'll invest in you. So, you you know, because I'm not going to pay that much money. Uh, and I had no intention of playing that maybe for another five years. And all of a sudden there's just this groundswell of, of support. And so we talked to Tracy, you know, we were about like, I don't know. I don't really want to take another trip out to Vegas, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, uh, ended up doing it, ended up going out there. Um, played in the, played in the main event. Uh, I did bust on day one, uh, just super unlucky. Uh, the worst thing in poker is when people come up to you and tell you bad beat stories like, Oh, you won't believe this bad beat, whatever. Uh, but I had an absolutely horrific, like 20 minute run about five hours into the tournament. Um, for those of you who are poker people, uh, I flopped top set with sevens. I got flushed on the river. And then about three hands later, uh, I got one outed and two hands later, I got one outed again, meaning, uh, there's only one card left in the deck that could, that I could lose out of the 35 or so that were left in the deck. Only one card I could lose with. And it happened. Uh, wow. I, had po- I had pocket aces. The other guy had pocket Kings. Somebody said they folded a King. So only one King, that's only a King on the last card would do me in. And it did. Uh, and then another spot I had top two pair. Another guy had other two pair, only one card left because somebody folded one. Uh, so it was like, I was a 98% favorite twice in a row and lost. And that's how I busted the main. So um, I was physically sick for like three hours. I was just sick. I did a Facebook live thing to give people an update. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I watch it later. Like, Oh, you look really rough, dude. Uh, Cause it's just so, it's such an emotional investment. And it's just, it's the tournament of the year. It's like everybody comes from around the world to play this tournament, you know, 9,000 people putting up 10 grand each. Um, so it's, it's sort of a, it was a real bummer, but um, about three, four hours later, I was actually fine and I've been fine ever since. Wow. Yeah. It's just, it's, and one of the questions about poker I always have is, I mean, dang it. I mean, that sucks. Let me just yeah. say that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, questions about poker is like how much of it, I mean, there's obviously an element of luck, but yeah, the strategy sure. is a big piece of it. And so is it like, and then of course the intellectual heft, I mean, you need to have, you know, bandwidth, yeah. you know, intellectual to kind of process quickly and calculate probabilities. But of those three, and I think I've asked you this before, but of those three, what are the percentages, would you say, of how much of it is luck, you know, knowing the game, and then just kind of your intellectual bandwidth, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think I think the, the luck and skill, I'd say the way that I characterize it is for any given hand, like that one card coming, it's, it's all luck. Like you put yourself in a situation – you know, let's say, you know, you have ace king, I have pocket tens, we get it all in. That's just completely luck what's going to happen. We're about 50-50 to win. That's completely luck. <clears throat> Over the course of a tournament, I would say in any individual tournament might be like 70 to 80% luck, 20 to 30% skill. But then over the course of all of the times that you play, I'd say that's where the skill edge really comes out. <clears throat> People that are less skilled, less experienced, they're going to be losing players over the long run and people that are more skilled are going to be, cause it, it's really a game of decisions. It's what's the right decision in this moment. And I could make the right decision. Like I feel like I made the right decisions, but I got unlucky. Um, right. And so, but if, if I'm consistently making the right decision, if I'm consistently getting my money in as a favorite over the long run, I am going to be a successful player, which I've, I've been. And the top players are, you know, obviously even far, far greater than I've done. 
so it, it to me it's 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 a it's it's sort of um it's almost like a football game too if you're into football like you know you don't know who's going to fumble two times who's going to get a tip ball that they intercept you know there's a luck factor but over the long run the best teams are going to have the best records yeah so yeah. that's how that's how I view it and I so I think it's it's the luck and the skill and I mean that the mental heft is part of the skill but there are people play different ways some people are very mathematical some people aren't at all um, I think the the third piece of the equation. I mean, it's so strategy, it's skill, but I think kind of emotional, I don't know, emotional stability, I guess is part of it. Uh, it's amazing how many people will lose a hand that they should have won and they'll either get really angry or they'll just start playing really poorly. They, they go on tilt, they call it in the poker world. So I think um, being able to emotionally handle the roller coaster ride, especially of tournament poker, because there's a, just so many ups and downs. Yes. Um, if you're not emotionally able to handle that, uh, you're going to have a tough go of it. Wow. Yeah, that's true. That meant that emotional toughness. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good word. Of so many things like, you know, sports and, and everything mm-hmm. else. I mean, it it can, because it's so discouraging to lose. And another thing that's kind of interesting is the, um, like humans, uh, like if, Comparing a good and a bad thing, people would like good thing or hate bad things worse than they like good things. Yeah, I'm not saying very well. Well, no, there's actually been there's been like a psychological study that I've read about, um, like like remembering things. Like you remember bad things way more than you remember good things. It's actually a very physiological, psychological thing. They say like negative experiences are like um, <clears throat> what sticks Velcro. And um, positive things are like Teflon. And it's the same thing at the table. Like in poker, people say all the time, I always lose with Ace King. I always lose with Ace King. And I'm like, you don't always lose. No, no, I literally always lose with Ace King. And so I've, I've done this with people. I said, okay, that I play with together regularly. I said, okay, I, whenever I'm at your table, I'm going to keep track of when you have Ace King. <laughs> and, and he's like 50-50 with it. But, but I always, and it's not you, George. If you're listening, George, I'm not talking about you. Cause I know he has a trouble with Ace King too. Um, but, but you know, I think you, you just always remember like, I always get sucked out. I always, they, they always hit the card. I mean, well, that's just not true, mm-hmm. but that's what you remember. So maybe that's kind of what your point there too is. It's just those negative yeah, things. Yeah. We, we feel much more deeply than the, the positive things. I think we feel entitled to like, Oh yeah, yeah. I, I deserve to win that pot. You yeah. know? Yeah. It's like, it's like an ace asymmetric thing. So it like, is. I wish I could remember the study better, but it's something like people would rather like given a choice of losing uh, $5 or winning $10, you know, people would, yeah. What am I trying to say there? Like the, they would rather win the $10. Well, well, emotionally, it's a bigger impact emotionally on the negative side, losing $5 than it is rather not win $10 or lose you know, have a chance right. to, and then they're, they're very, a lot less likely to be in a situation where they could lose versus right. could win. And that's why I think grat- gratitude is so important when those good things happen, poker tournament or otherwise, when those good things happen to, they say in that, that study, they said, what you really need to do is take every time something good happens in your life, uh, take like seven seconds and just let it soak in, or maybe it was 15 seconds. I don't remember what it was, but like, you know, if you get a good medical report, or if you win the $10, like you're saying, pause on that and just let that soak in because you're naturally, you're not going to, you're just going to absorb that and move on to the next thing. 
uh, because, okay, yeah, I deserve to have a good medical report uh, versus, you know, when you have the negative side, of course, that's a, that's a really uh, tough thing. So I think that's the key is that is just to really absorb those positive things because you need to be intentional about it. Um, yeah. And so I think, I think in the poker world, maybe in, in life too, in general, this is where personality comes in. So I'm, I'm a pretty logical person. I mean, I can be emotional, but, um, you know, I approach things pretty logically. Like if I'm an 80% favorite to win, a lot of people think they should always win that. I think, no, I should be losing that one out of five times. Like if I'm not losing that one out of five times, something's wrong in the universe. So, you know, so I think that's, that's the difference there. Cause I, you know, I'm a math statistical guy, so I can just say, yeah, if I'm a 98% favorite, I should lose that 2% of the time. You know, this isn't, you know, blowing up the universe. Like some people think it's an absolute, you know, universe blown sort of thing. Yeah. Well, so when you get hands, I mean, are you literally calculating the odds of things on the fly or do you kind of have a general idea of, you know, what cards are left in the deck or things like yeah. that? I, you know, I don't do as much math as I used to, but because now I think some of it becomes sort of uh, innate, uh, I guess you kind of know. I mean, I know what starting hands I want to play uh, that are probably good against my what my opponent generally would have in a situation. So like if, if they raise, I know what hands would be good against those hands that they would raise against in general. Uh, but it's mm-hmm. not really a math calculation. The math for me comes more into... Um, like if somebody makes a big bet and I know that there's eight cards that'll actually make my hand, like if I have a straight draw, uh, not to get into all the details, but if I, I know I can figure out, okay, I have eight, what they call outs, eight cards that will actually give me the best hand. And that means I have whatever it might mean, you know, a 33% chance of actually winning the hand. So there's a one in a three chance I'm going to win. I'll compare that to the size of the, how much I have to put in versus how much I could win if I, if I do hit that card. And so those are kind of the math things that I do. It's called pot odds. So that's some of that. Um, the rest of it is, it, you know, there is some more of it. There's probably more than I even realize, but um, some of that's become second nature as I've done. You kind of study as, because of the podcast, I talk to these great players. I have this good group of people that we talk about and we talk about some of the math behind the stuff. And so I learn the principles kind of from the math. And then once I have the principles, I bring that in and I'm just kind of playing the principles rather than the math. And so, okay, that's interesting that some people are kind of head players and some are heart players, like just kind of the instinct, you know. It, it, I'd say it's head. I said some are head, like like I'm prone to be. Um, some are heart where it's like you're saying the instinct. And then some are all about what are their – it's psychology. It's all about what do we think uh, their opponents have and are they the kind of person that even if they have a good hand, they're going to fold if I go all in on them. You know, right. like it doesn't even matter what I have. It doesn't even matter what I think. You know, I just know that even if they have a good 90% of the time, they're going to fold here if I shove, even if I have nothing. So some people are very psychological in uh, trying to get inside their opponent's brains. Wow. So who won? Is the tournament over? It's no, they're down to, I think they're down to 35 people right now as we speak. Uh, I had a few people, there's like eight people from Minnesota that made it to the final couple hundred, which is amazing. And then the guy, one of the, I, I stayed with Chris Fox Wallace uh, when I was out there, he was still in it with like a hundred and some left. He got really, really deep. And then there was a guy, another guy from Minnesota that I know just busted in 50th place or something for like 160 grand. So wow. he did, he did okay. <laughs> yeah. But wow. it's still going on. It's a, it's a grueling, grueling event. Yeah. Man. yeah. Wow. So yeah. Hey, one, one thing I want to chat about quick, or did you have anything else with that deal? 
Nope, nope. Good stuff. I know we're almost out of time, but one thing I wanted to bring up here, um, I noticed, I just kind of happened to notice it in the Isanding Chicago County Star, um, that the latest uh, Hall of Fame inductees for Cambridge, Cambridge Isanding Blue Jacket uh, inductees for the next Hall of Fame have been announced. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, it's, it's a who's who's list, of course. Uh, part of it is because the Hall of Fame was just recent, is a more recent thing, so they're trying to catch up here. But uh, you can and see I on your question about that before we get into the course. names of getting inducted. Yeah, yeah. But what is the Hall of Fame? It's just, is there a specific criteria for getting in there, or is it just. Um, they do a kind of voting of- thing. Yeah, I'm not super close to, but I know they do, like, they take nominations and they do a vote. Okay. Um, they have a Hall of Fame committee. So Todd Schmaker, that might be a name that you recognize. Um, he kind of leads it. So they do have a hall of fame committee, generally one or two meetings a year, it says, and there's nomination form. So you can go to www.c-ischools.org, click on departments, click on blue jacket hall of fame. And that's where you can nominate somebody for the hall of fame. And then the committee, it looks like they meet uh, once or twice a year to decide who's in. And I don't know, I don't know if it's inside of a voting thing. I don't know if they have a certain number that they want to get in all the time. I don't know all of the bylaws there, but uh, you can get a hold of Todd Schmaker, T Schmaker at c schools.org. Uh, he can answer any questions you have there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there, the article is also in, in the, in the paper. So if you didn't yeah. catch that address, just check in there. So. Yeah. Sorry. That was pretty quick, but yeah. So you can see it online right here. If you're watching the video, otherwise, yeah, go to the paper or shoot us an email. I mean, I, I'm happy to, to, uh, to answer that question for you too. But yeah, so the 2019 inductees, uh, some very familiar names. So Rob Eastland uh, for football okay. from, from, yeah, years ago, back in the 1910s, 1920s, yeah. right, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> Not quite that long, long ago. Uh, Richard G. Hardy for the arts. Uh, you recognize that name from the Richard G. Hardy Performing Arts Center. It was mm-hmm. named after him. Fantastic um, investment in kids and music and arts uh neil jennison uh for wrestling mm-hmm. yeah, wendy high school yeah. i think he is yeah right exactly um that's a name very very synonymous with wrestling uh wendy rooney for gymnastics and cambridge Sandy gymnastic team is ridiculous how good it is and yeah. i wish i remember i know she's been coaching it for a long time but i think she was also in the program as well yeah she's and it's uh it was she's married Rooney is her married name. Uh, Stickles is her. Stickles. Oh, yeah. yeah. Bill's sister. Yeah. I, I forgot to put that together. Oh, that's the inside info. So, Bill, way to go. There you go. Another yeah. plug. That's right. I totally forgot about that. Uh, Sean Stone for track and field. And then Janelle Street for basketball. Wait, Sean Stone. Now, that name sounds familiar. Do you know him? I don't. That's the one name I'm like, I can't place it. Uh, I'm not sure what his accomplishments were. I'm sure they were amazing. And I don't know. So I don't know if he was a, you know, pre us in the eighties or a post us in the eighties. I didn't do my oh, research. Oh, you know what? That is a uh, Sean stone. He was a high jumper. He was a year behind me. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He was the guy. Actually he was uh, one of my, a gal that I dated. It was his, her, uh, brother. Oh, well, yeah, you should know that then. Yeah, and we worked together at Morfor, and uh, yeah, <laughs> he, he won state, like, I think almost all four years. No he, way. And I think he's got the state record in high jump at seven feet, two inches. Well, look at you, you got all the details. <laughs> you know what? I'm just so impressed by this guy. And, That's ridiculous. 
seven feet two inches. Yeah, higher Come taller on. than him. Come taller on. than him. That's <laughs> ridiculous. He's got fake shoes on or something. Wow, that's that's impressive. Yeah, that was the name I didn't I didn't recognize that that name at all. Okay. Good, good info. Uh, Janelle Street for basketball, and she, at least at the time, I believe, became the all-time leading scorer in, in girls' basketball in the state. Uh, or at minimum, I think she passed like the 2,000-point mark, which is ridiculous. So she was just a, an unbelievable basket player, basketball player, I think within the last 10 years or so, uh, more recent. Uh, Todd Trichel, the name Trichel, of course, synonymous with Cambridge football. And then... No, no. Tell me more about that. So I know Tom Trichel, but I don't know Todd. Oh, I'm, I'm, it's risky for me to go through all of the different Trichels and cause I, I, I'm going to mess it up. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to mess it up, but no, that, that I know, I don't know what he played or whatever what position, but I know the Trichels, uh, they were all uh, from, from that generation on to our generation uh, or, or to the next generation uh, all played football or a lot of them played football. So I, I don't want to take the risk of being wrong on, on that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if there's other trichles that are already in the hall of fame. They didn't list like the whole thing. It'd be interesting to see like, what's the whole list. Uh, and then the final one was the, uh, the third team that gets in the 1987 state class, a football championship team. Um, so that was back, that was back in our, our heyday there. Yeah. So that yeah, was, that was, that was awesome. I was, I was younger. So you graduated 80. Well, I was the manager on that team now. So what? I don't I, I don't know if I'll get an invitation. I doubt it. But yeah, I was a I was a manager in the, the 87 88 uh, years of of the the championship team. Well, yeah, so I got I carried the water. I tried to, you know, I I brought the frozen water back onto the bus in Cloquet to try to get it warmed up and <laughs> No, so that was yeah, those were right in my heyday years. Those that was my uh that would have been my junior year and then the 88 team was my senior year. Okay. So yeah, yeah that just was- crazy unbelievable teams and those guys were almost celebrities back in the day oh man for sure because i was like i don't know maybe seventh or eighth grade but i remember seeing those guys around town and i'm like oh man oh man oh yeah so cambridge football for sure back back in that day so the the oxlip connection uh the the three running backs let's see if i can remember john nystrom uh, jeremy wicked and casey cunningham like we're all from oxlip and they were like the three running backs of the team. And they like each had a thousand yards that year. We, I remember like we'd be predicting like how many plays until the Cambridge scored three, three <laughs> plays four. I mean, it was unbelievable. They'd win games like crazy. And the, yeah. the architect of those teams uh, who was the, the most win, the winningest football football coach in the state of Minnesota history. I don't know if he still has the record uh, is George, was George Larson. And uh, George is somebody I actually play poker with. Uh, he, he he plays poker a bit at running aces. So occasionally we're at the same table and get a chance to, I don't, I don't tell him the stories about like when he'd borrow uh, us managers, his car to go get stuff, you know, <laughs> I don't tell him the stories about where we went and stuff that it, the, the car would come back with a little mud on it. <laughs> and, and like some of the players would be like, dude, where did you go? Like, yeah. <laughs> so, but no, the Mercury Lynx. He had a Mercury Lynx wagon. Uh, but anyway, so I, I digress. But it was kind of fun just to, you know, I don't remember all the details of all of these people and all these all these names. But it was kind of fun to see see those and like yeah, those are those are names in Cambridge uh, Cambridge sporting lore for sure. Well, and they do have uh, the people's names on plaques down on the uh, parting, the basically the pack, the performing yeah. arts center in high school. And so 
yeah, I guess these guys will get plaques too and they'll go right up there. But it's it's pretty fun and interesting to go and read those. Like sometimes yeah. when I'm at play or something, I'll in intermission I'll go and read those. And yeah, it's the the names you kind of recognize, like Miss Tareen. Did you ever have Oh Ms. yeah, Lois Tareen, sure. Yeah. yeah. She's on there. And I can't remember what what for exactly, but yeah, it's just it's super mm-hmm. fun to read that. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Fun, fun history thing. So that's, that's kind of all I had uh, pulled out of the, the, the Isanti Chisago County star for this week, but a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff in there, but we just can't talk about it all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we'd be a little remiss if we didn't just mention the Isanti County rodeo. Oh yes. I mean, that's, that's a huge, huge thing that the Isanti fire firemen put on and um, I would actually be interested in knowing some of the history behind that. I didn't get a chance to look at it, but you know, they, they started, um, I assume just pretty small and now it's a pretty, I mean, I don't know. Is it biggest in the state? I, I don't know for sure, but I don't know, but it's, it's big. And yeah, there, there's a great article, uh, that Bill wrote called worth a thousand words. And mm-hmm. it's, it's talking about all of the stuff we have coming up, including like you mentioned the rodeo though. So the parade was, we're recording this on Friday, July 12th. The parade was yesterday and then just kind of leading into all of these things that are coming up. So that's certainly worth checking out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because you got the, you got the Itani rodeo and Jubilee days, and then you've got uh, the Chisago County fair, July 18th to 21st. And then you've got the uh, Isani County fair on the 24th to the 28th and all kinds of activities in between there. So a lot of great opportunity for community connection. Yep. Absolutely. Hey, look at there. There's our advertisement. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> yeah. And again, check out the Isani County uh, Star or the Chisago. Isani Chisago. Isani Chisago. County Star. County Star. Yeah. But but in, in, in online, I think if you just go to countystar.com, I think it'll it'll automatically feed you to the Isani-Chisago-CountyStar.com. Oh, great. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess that's all we've got. So um, we didn't get a chance to talk about your stuff, though, Pete. Like, there's a couple things. Do you want to quick at least give us a the speeding ticket, and I heard you have something going on next week. That was supposed to be on the down low, ma'am. Oh, wait, what? Which part? <laughs> uh, I, I did. I did get a speeding ticket yesterday, and uh, but the the biggest thing is um, I'm getting married. Woo! a week, in a week and one day. So I'm super excited, but super overwhelmed with everything that has to get done. <laughs> Unfortunately, because Leanne is actually really good at a lot of that stuff. And so she's, you know, overwhelmed, but it kind of leaks over into me feeling overwhelmed. Too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, look well, like you, already, was, you already have your wedding was, haircut though. Uh, well, no, this is prelim. Really? There's another, you need more of that cut. That looks pretty yeah, good to well, me. For this haircut is so that I can get, I, I don't have those weird tan lines. You know, when you get a tan <laughs> and you, Get a haircut and it looks white around your ears and oh, sure, yeah. So I've got a, I got this prelim. I'm going to be out in the sun a little bit and hope to get a tan and then get my final final. Is that actually uh, a strategic thing? Are you like getting your haircut and then going to be out in the sun so you get a little more color? Is that a strategic yeah. wedding planning thing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Pete! Oh my God! I can't wait for the wedding to be over for you. Sorry, no offense, Leanne, but come on, man. We don't need to get preliminary haircuts and then get out in the sun to get darker and then get another haircut. Come on. But I guess if that's all you're being asked to do, that's not too bad. Well, it was kind of funny because we, I, 
um, like a week ago, I said, okay, we got to get a handle on this because there's just so much going on. <laughs> Let's each sit down and write a to-do list. And then we'll, you know, kind of compare and contrast and then combine them. And then that will be our working list for the next, you know, couple of weeks. So she's like, okay, yeah, good idea. So we sat down and I started writing and, <clears throat> and, uh, <laughs> then, uh, you know, we kind of got done and I said, okay, here's my list I got. And I had like two things on there. <laughs> and then she pulls out her list and it's a page and a half. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> so, so, so did you, were you able to just keep your two things or did you end up getting some of those other things? Well, she, well, she, one of my things she already had on her list. Nice. And then, um, yeah, so she's been doing some delegating, and that's sort of working. So I mean, is, is your to-do list basically just get your pre-haircut, get out in the sun, and get another haircut? Is that like your wedding preparation list? That's basically it. And <laughs> I, have do, uh, I have to do the slideshow. So. Oh, okay. Oh, and I should say this. I'm responsible for the candy bar. <laughs> the and candy bar bar? Uh, I, I thought I heard rumblings. <laughs> I can't remember, though. Um, no, it's, uh, so like we're having a coffee bar yeah. and you know, table set up with coffee and then there's going to be a table set up with candy. And, uh, since I'm kind of a candy official, you are, yes, sir. I'm responsible for that. So like yesterday I ordered $500 worth of candy from Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> so you did have some big responsibilities. I did, yeah. yeah. Even though she's probably secretly hoping it doesn't work out. <laughs> no, that's pretty fun. I love that. That's that's a, that's a fun add to a wedding. Yeah, it is. Well, it's her idea too, and I mean, I I thought it was genius. You know, I yeah. I didn't even know these things existed, and then she brought it up, and I'm like, oh yeah, that would be perfect. That's fun, super fun. Well, good luck the rest of the week. You know, if yeah. you need anything, let me know. But man, it's it's exciting. Eight, eight days. I know. I know. I am excited and uh, it's going to be fantastic. It's just a little stressed at the moment. So sure. Sure. That's natural. Yeah. All okay. right. Well, should we sign off there? Yeah. Yeah. Let's sign it off and uh, we will see you all next week. Adios. <laughs>